You're listening to episode 22 of Caucasus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm your host, Eli. Listeners, we're excited for this episode today. I would like to hear the episode when Andrew follows up the intro with, listeners, we are unexcited and this is an unamazing episode. Aren't you guys excited? I hope you're as excited as I am. I'm always excited for every interview. I can hear people screaming in their cars on their drive to work right now. If you're in your car and it's like an I believe in fairies thing in Peter Pan and you are excited about this, let out a woo! I'm here right now! Man, you never know where we're going to go. We, we really don't have a script, just so you know. Um, so... Man, this is a really cool episode today. Uh, one thing this podcast has done for us uh, listeners, specifically for uh, for Eli and myself, is it's enabled us to connect with people here in the North Caucasus that we normally would have no reason to connect with, and would wouldn't they wouldn't have a real reason to be interested. I mean, they might be polite, kind, yeah. but other than our dashing good looks, I mean, <laughs> there's not an obvious reason. <laughs> To want to connect with us, right? Yeah. So, um, man, we uh, this is a really cool connection we made with uh, probably one of the more experienced tour guides in the entire region. Okay, I would say he is the most famous person we have ever had on the podcast. Definitely, definitely. So we got a killer interview coming up um, for you, listeners. Before we go to that, though, uh, I do have two shout outs to some of our faithful listeners. Let's hear them. Um, so the first is to Bjorn from Sweden. I'm going to withhold my imitation Swedish chef, Muppet Swedish chef uh, accent and say, woo, Bjorn. <laughs> yes. Thank you for withholding. Reel I think that's in. a good idea. Reel it in. Um, but Bjorn actually uh, lives here in Pitygorsk. He's a Russian language student, but he's been listening to our podcast, which is awesome. Obsessively. Yeah. So Bjorn is helping us uh, tap the Swedish market. There we go. <laughs> yeah, um, for Caucus Talk. And then uh, our, my next shout out, it's a nameless shout out because mm. I don't want to throw this person under the bus. Ooh. But listeners, if you check out our ratings. Some people out there. On, on iTunes. <laughs> we currently have 22 ratings. And 21 of them. Our five star, five star ratings from people we know and and people we don't know. That's right. And then there's a lone two star rating <gasps> just sitting there, just flashing, kind of ghosting down you. on the horizon down there. And you know, I kind of assumed at some point, for some reason, they're gonna come. Yeah, they're gonna. You know, come. the naysayers ha- do come. Haters gonna hate. Haters <laughs> gonna hate. Yeah, but then come to find out, lo and behold, this was actually one of our good friends who left. <laughs> This review, and she came clean. It might have been like the wife of someone who also works with Andrew, <laughs> who lives in Pity Gorge. But it might not have been. <laughs> you know who you are. Yeah, we're not going to name any names, but yeah. listeners, we want you to know, so far, we should have 22 five-star <laughs> reviews, but there's a lone two-star out there, and I'm kind of happy now that I know who left it. Absolutely. Let's yeah. let's let's. Take her out from under the bus. So <laughs> she, well, what she said is somehow it would only let her <laughs> click two stars. And somehow her rating went through when she was and trying to click. Now, five. in her defense, uh, I have had issues leaving reviews and other of our uh, listeners have too. 
So that's one listener who's had issues. Andrew, <laughs> my six-month-old son is is on my lap right now, teething <laughs> as we speak. I was hopeful we could get through this this segment without without an outburst. Well, I have a shout out okay. to myself <laughs> because I finally made it to Mount Elbrus. Yes. Last week, I and my family and some friends who visited from the U.S. We didn't summit Elbrus, of course, because we had children. Um, but we went to the mountain. We went up the mountain, and it completely delivered. It completely blew me away. And I've That's seen awesome. views, and there's just it just got more and more amazing. That's awesome. The higher we went, it was, it was a crystal clear, clear day. day. Yeah, that's key. It was also the brightest place I've been in on planet Earth. <laughs> like you could have like stapled my eyes open and shined flashlights oh, in them all day, and it would not have been this mountains bright. Mountains in the winter oh. is when you need sunglasses the most, for so, sure. Uh, I didn't have any, but well, congratulations for it finally was getting out there. Terrific. We went up and had had lunch up at a cafe. We and Andrews told us that you know you have three tiers of yeah. of the mountain. You take gondola up to tier one, gondola up to tier two, and then there's a single seater, rickety little thing that goes up to tier three. That was now buried in the snow, and they have upgraded to a gondola to tier three. So all of us, our whole family, got up to almost thirteen thousand feet just by gondolas. That's awesome, terrific, well done. Even the coolest thing about this trip is that your son Arthur L. Bruce made it to Mount Elbrus. Not only did he make it, we got a photo of him in front of the peaks, because you can see the peaks. We all got t-shirts that say Elbrus on them. He got a wool knitted vest, baby vest, with <laughs> a picture of Elbrus and That's the name awesome. Elbrus in, knitted into it for like, I don't know, it was like $10. I mean, something. Yeah, they're pretty. They're not They're not expensive awesome. at all. Did you tell any of the sales ladies Everyone. that his middle name is Elbrus? We got free woolen booties from it. They just, <laughs> one lady awesome. just took him and walked away like... I mean, they just love him. That's awesome. John I think I it. think my son is jealous. We didn't get any free stuff last time we were there. So you got to name him. You know, got to no one to name him. Andrew, um, <laughs> I don't mind. Give this guy a mic. Give this. He's got something to say. Um, have we got a a, a culture a culture shock segment? Wow, do we ever? Let's hear it. All right, so. This is our. This is one of our official segments. Official the cult, culture shock corner or whatever, what have you? <laughs> culture shock couch. Whatever. Um, so this is where we just want to share, kind of more personally, listeners, from our own experiences of Americans living in a foreign place, the Caucasus Mountains, and even Russia, because Caucasus is Russia. So. Uh, of course, we try to be positive about living here, but there are things that are hard sometimes, you know, just because it's different. And it's not something that's bad about the culture. It's just the experience of living. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take him out. Cross culturally. What's the deal with seatbelts in the North Caucasus? I don't think there is a deal because I've never been in two cars that do seatbelts the same way. Twice. It's true. But what what I'm saying, listeners, is where we're from in America, you it's there's an understanding everywhere that you wear seatbelts. Because seatbelts, let's say it together, seatbelts save, save lives. lives. That's, that's right. What we know. That's and like that's kind of what we've been taught. And you just do it as a habit. And even as a driver, like many times I've made sure everybody in my car was strapped in. Uh here in the North Caucasus, that is not the case. Not so. And often so like we don't own a car. We ride in taxis everywhere as a family. And I cannot begin to tell you how many times 
I've gotten in the, a taxi with or without my kids. And I started to put my seatbelt on. And you've been stopped. And the taxi driver looks at me with this look of horror, <laughs> or he'll put his hand on mine, stop me, and say, what are you doing? You or, don't need to do that. Or, yeah, you don't need to do that. That's what he'll say. And It's a thing. Oh, man. I have learned how to respond uh, deftly but firmly in these situations that I am going to put it on. Look, bro, seatbelts save lives. Have you not <laughs> read the material? But I'm not always able to respond graciously because it's just frustrating to, that I always have to answer this but question. what's behind it? What is the conviction? Because it's not like, oh, I don't choose to wear one. You can wear one if you want. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't wear a seatbelt. But I don't know what, the, what is behind I, that. I have a theory. Okay. Uh, so usually what uh, drivers will say is, I've never had an accident. <laughs> I've been driving 30 years. You don't have to you don't have to worry or we're just driving in the city. And so I <laughs> and think people don't have accidents in the city. I know. I think the thought behind it is uh respecting the authority of the driver. It is and, a personal thing for him. Yeah. It's like an affront on his his honor and his ability to drive. Yeah. I mean I could totally see that. I'll be honest. As a male and as a driver, I don't drive here because I don't have a car, but not with that. But we act that way about things, don't we? It's like if you if a guy does something and someone doesn't want it, you're like, what? Well, it's not good enough? What are you saying? <laughs> it's true. I mean, that's how kind of how it is, right? Yeah. Is there a legal thing? Because I felt like at, at some places, if I wore the seatbelt, it would somehow make someone, maybe someone told me like they'll, <laughs> <laughs> Police will see that you're a foreigner and will pull you over because yeah. you're wearing a People say that, but like... I've never seen that. It has... I've heard from many people that they have become more strict in the country about enforcing people wearing their seatbelts. So here's the flip side. We have children, and in some taxis, we pile them on our laps, and we are just in the city. We're not going on a freeway at 80 miles an hour. Yeah. We're going at you know top speed, 30, 35. And, and they don't care, and you can put five... But other taxis, they drive, and they see you have children, and you don't have a car seat. And they're like... Then they look disgusted. Like, don't you know there's laws about this stuff? Right. I'm like, well, I mean, yeah. there are for some people. Every every driver's different, and sometimes I have drivers who help me put the seatbelt on. That's right. Um, but I, those are in the minority. But I think yeah. more and more, I've had more taxis where the seatbelts are out, the and the buckles are out, and they'll have a kid even a uh, like a kid seatbelt, and strap. it's totally normal. So yeah. I do think it is. A, we're in a transitional. <laughs> in a, maybe in a transitional zone. <laughs> yeah, but the reason I brought this up, listeners, is like. This is a struggle for me here. Like, uh, that's true. It it tires me that this is a conversation I constantly have to have. have And sometimes I've often like when my oldest daughter was one, we did have an accident in America, and it wasn't our fault. It was uh, we were probably going thirty five, and our our car was totaled, and our seatbelts. She was in a car seat, but our seatbelts saved our lives. Um, So. Uh, I'll often share that story with drivers and then they'll say, oh yeah, you know, may something like that never happen. You're right. You should often they'll respond positively when I explain, this is why I do it, you know? Um, but anyways, that, that for me is still a form of culture shock I go through here. And it's part of values 
kind of rubbing up against other values. You yeah. know, someone just has a different view yeah. of the world and life. And for those of you listening, maybe who live in the U.S., this might be helpful to you when you, if you interact with people who are from another place or from a different culture, or and and there's and they do things or say things that just seem like totally bizarre, like in in a reverse way, you might think, well, there's something behind that, and uh, maybe I should you know, can try to find out what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. do buckle up and um, <laughs> everybody buckle up. That's stay right. Stay new to your pets. I mean, do all that stuff. I mean, that's it's <laughs> good. Thank you, Bob Barker. Um, yeah. So, anyways, that's Mike. our that's our culture culture shock couch corner <laughs> for today. Now on to the show. Listeners, we have a very special guest for you today. I know I always say that when we have guests, that they're very special. (laughs) And he means it. I mean it. You're all very special people, our guests. But this guest, I think this is our most famous guest yet. Wow, come on, guys. Most famous. (laughs) Yeah. So far, with the the greatest international reach. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to keep getting more famous people. But this guy's famous. Give it up. Without further ado, give it up for Rashid. Hello. <laughs> Rashid, tell me your uh, your last name again. Yeah, my last name is Baichorov. Baichorov. Rashid yes. Baichorov. Yes. So, uh, Rashid, you're actually not our first Karachai guest from the, the Karachai Nation. Um, really? But uh, you are a very unique guest of ours. So, we're, we're happy to have you <laughs> Thank here. Thank you very much. On the show. Thanks for yeah. making it up here to the studio. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me here. I'm very glad to see you guys and meeting yeah. you guys here. Of course. Awesome. So, listeners, uh, we're going to introduce um, Rashid here. We've talked about some this uh, very well-known show uh, by Levison Woods. He's a British explorer. He's done treks across the Himalayas and the Americas and the Nile. And he, last year, 2017, did a trek across the Caucasus. Um, and so the, the videos really are really interesting to watch. Amazing scenery, incredible experiences. But we somehow, by the hand of providence, <laughs> I couldn't believe this. <laughs> landed his his guide for the entire Russian part. So they were together three weeks. There's four episodes total of his journey through the Caucasus. That included the Russia portion, where we live, the North Caucasus, the South Caucasus, Azerbaijan, Georgia, Armenia, and then into Iran. And the entire first episode's in Russia. And then at least half the second episode is in Russia, in Dagestan. And Rashid was his guide the entire time. Uh, through Russia. So, Rashid, it's great to have you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much, guys. Yeah, so tell great, us... Great being here. Yeah, tell us a little, tell our listeners a little about yourself, who you are, where you're from. Um, well, uh, basically, I was born here in uh, in uh, Northern Caucasus Mineral Waters region. Yeah. Uh, we call it uh, in a little town called Kislovodsk. Yes. Name Kislovodsk is not far from the uh, city where you live. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was born 37 years ago. Okay. And um, we are the same. Eight, when is your birthday? Uh, really? Yeah. Am I uh, 14th of May? Oh, May the 14th. I'm a little, little younger. Are you? <laughs> Just a little bit. September. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> cool. Yep. And uh, well, basically, I I stayed most of my most of my life. I stayed in uh, my hometown. But uh, when I graduated from high school, when I was 16 years old, thanks to my mother. She sent me to U.S. America to okay. South Carolina. There was wow. this uh, in the middle of '90s. There was this uh, an exchange program for students. Yeah, and uh, she sent me to uh, to South Carolina, Spartanburg. Yes, little town Spartanburg. 
Yes, and uh, I stayed there for one year. I studied in high school. That's awesome. And thanks to that, thanks to this happening, uh, that happened, that what happened to me, yeah. I I learned, you know, I studied English, and uh, that's uh, this way I can communicate with right. people. And thanks to that, yes. And you I'm didn't very, pick up much of a southern accent. I did I not. No, no I, yeah. yes, I did not. You know, that. some mothers mm. send their dis- disobedient and wayward sons to, like, you know military school but others just send them to spartanburg (laughs) you know this is amazing rashid because we discussed this already but i grew up an hour from spartanburg and in in north carolina yeah right outside of charlotte and um in the mid 90s we were one hour from each other can you believe that yes this is amazing (laughs) i'm getting chills those were the days the mid 90s (laughs) (laughs) can i just do do you have like a first impression when you got to, you know, you have in your mind America and yes, then you, absolutely. you, what'd you fly into the Greenville airport or? Yes. Atlanta, uh, first I went to Chicago. Uh, uh-huh. uh, the, if we take American part, there was a uh, Chicago. Then uh-huh. I went to Cincinnati. Oh. And then from that, I uh, went to Greenville airport and uh-huh. from Greenville, we drove uh, with my uh, right. host family. Right. They picked me up in the airport at the airport. But I remember the very first impression that I got was the the air, this American air. That, that this, I think every country <laughs> in the world has its different smell. Wow. Yeah, really. And uh, in when, in U.S., when I got out of the plane from which came from German, from Frankfurt on Main, uh, I went to uh, flew to Chicago. Yeah. And in Chicago, when I got out, I breathed in this, you know. This, <sighs> This very unusual era that I, I haven't uh, haven't experienced it in might my have life. Just it was very Chicago. interesting. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Chicago smell. I don't know, <laughs> but it was really um, you smells know smells like pepperoni. Imp- yeah, <laughs> mafia, <laughs> Al Pacino. Oh, no, not Al Pacino, Al Capone. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Anyways, yes, this was really um, you know the, the very first impression that I got, and then wow. we drove. I remember this driving on this highway, and this you know because basically what I knew about America. Was only that I, we saw on, on on through the videos, right. the film films that yep. you like. I don't know, like yeah. um, Terminator or whatever. Men in Black. Know, the, the movies accurate. of those times, yeah. New York City being destroyed. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Like this, you know? and it was very you know. Here I am, I'm alive uh, in this. You know, I'm right. seeing this all with my eyes. And yeah, I was very excited about my. Where's New York? Stay. <laughs> That's awesome. And Spartanburg is a really much smaller town, uh, more rural. Yes, it was yeah. really like little town. I mean, I've never even saw people walking around. Most people, what was also very unusual for me to see that mostly people drive. Yep. Uh, yep. In the US, especially in those little towns like that. Yeah. There were no like pedestrians. Some areas, like central, maybe like square of the town. That's it. No, Most Americans avoid drive. walking at yeah. almost all expenses, <laughs> it seems. It's actually one of my, the pleasant changes Agreed. to my life and moving to Russia is we don't own a car here, even oh, yeah. though we have three kids, yeah. and I really enjoy it. Um, cause and and the cities are made for it, and life is Yeah, we're in a smaller city, it. public transportation's great, taxis yeah. are not expensive, and I just walk a lot now. Um, exactly. So, yeah. Getting in your 10,000 steps. That's right. Every that's day. right. <laughs> good stuff. So um, spent a year in Spartanburg, South Carolina. That's how your yeah. English got so good. Um, yeah. So what what do you do for a living? Is your day job just taking famous Brits all over the Caucasus? <laughs> they well, pay you the on famous for this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes also, but um, mostly, yes. My day, daily job is, of course, a tourism. Okay. Because uh, uh, 
I started doing this business in 1998 when I was 18 years old. My um, uh, we had this little family business. We were doing horse horse tours okay. over Caucasus, oh. and mostly there were German people, come, German riders, professional oh, yeah. riders, wow. horse riders who were coming here, and we would take them up to the mountains. Sorry, to, what's a mm-hmm. professional German horse ride like? Uh, they you know like basically racers? Uh, no not race horse but the things the 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 people who have who most of them they, they own their own they uh-huh, have their horses okay. they have all the ammunition uh, yeah, yeah they know how to you know how to go through from gallop to trot uh-huh, or okay, whatever okay. you know you know they spend a lot sense. of time with horses like yeah. horse people horse people exactly yep. and, talk about a smell <laughs> <laughs> yes and uh, they were they were coming here and uh, of course uh, this was very. You know this endless, uh, endless um, ground lands that you can, you right. can, you can, as you see, you don't have a horizon, and wh- whatever you can see, you can go yeah. wow. without no fences, nothing, no borders, no controls. Yeah. So this was very important for them. Hmm. You know, you can ride anywhere you want. So basically, when they they were coming here in 19, 1998, we started doing this, and we've done this until two thousand seven, and in two thousand seven, I <clears throat> I started my own stuff doing uh, i started doing like uh four by four wheeling oh yeah, yeah. okay off off road off-roading four wheeling yes. yeah cool yes of course also hiking hitchhiking not hitchhiking hiking yeah yeah and um you know doing some activities treks uh, and stuff like yeah, that exactly. very cool yeah that's yeah. awesome since since then i'm in in, in this so yeah so you you kind of you really are you, I mean, you. I know you'll be modest about it, but you really are an expert, kind of on everything. Really, the outdoor adventure things that the Caucasus Mountains have to have to offer. Mm, yes, I could say. So. I wouldn't say that it's I'm been like, twenty years. Really, you've been doing that more or less, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, it's impossible to know everything, and it's impossible. Like you know, of course, it, yeah, it will take me a life lifetime span to 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 learn something. Mm-hmm. You know. But you never, you never can learn in whole, everything until the end. So every time when I have, even when I have new people coming, new tourists coming, I find something new. I, you know, yeah, I, I realize something new and I open in myself something new. Also, yeah. you know, it really is. Uh, we we recently interviewed um, somebody who has worked in tourism a long time, and he said to us how uh, tourism. It's it's a vocation that facilitates the exchange of ideas, because exactly. people from different cultures are meeting, Absolutely. wanting to learn from each other, and I do really think that's a cool thing uh, yeah. that you just expressed. Well, good. Um, so, Rashid, let's dive right in here. Um, tell us about this trip with Levison Wood. I mean, Woods. This, I mean, these videos were they were very enjoyable to watch for me because we live here and like we know the the Caucasus uh-huh, pretty well yeah, from and the inside, the banya and like some of the funny <laughs> interactions with people, um, meeting like a, a jigit man up in the mountains. Perfect, um, it was awesome. Like, so, yeah. just tell us about you were three weeks with him. You traveled through every republic, starting yep. in Adygea all the way to Dagestan. Yeah. What was it like? And maybe some funny stories of your time huh. together. Well, definitely, it was a great experience for me. And uh, uh, the first night, we uh, the first um, scenery scene that we were filming was in the Banya. Actually, that was very funny. Yes. <laughs> the Banya part, and uh, the trip was very interesting for me also, and for Levison, of course, he was you know very very surprised by people's hospitality, by right. locals, how they react. Yeah. On on him, and uh, you know, 
well, the, there were a couple of maybe funny moments. Once we had this, uh, when we were, we were filming uh, near Elbrus, uh, there was uh, th- this abandoned huge factory, Russian Soviet factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, it was actually a mine. Okay. Uh, they were mining for um, molybdenum. Yeah, yes. internals, right? Internals, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We were filming this uh, sure. part, internals. And so we, have, we see this guy, like, uh, you know, Really crazy guy with crazy eyes uh, <laughs> running running towards us uh, with stones in his hands and oh he's my. like, yeah, like what are you doing here? I, I, I saw it from the far. Sounds away, like a yeah. biblical story. Yeah, <laughs> I saw him from far away that he's you know he's uh you know he's not normal. Wow, normal not normal person that I sort of like uh, I, I got you know I saw Levison uh, you know uh, uh, be careful or whatever <laughs> I said be like be attentive. So this guy, he came up to us and he started asking us, what are we doing? What are we filming? And stuff like this, you know, like trying to be a chief or something like this. Uh And uh, anyways, finally, eventually, he didn't throw any stones at us. But uh, yeah, we somehow, we you know, uh, we made the situation very smooth. (laughs) Well, probably this was one of the funniest moments, I would say. Didn't Uh, I I think mm. Levison said, I read an article, this didn't make the film, but... Didn't you guys attempt to actually climb Mount Elbrus, but what? because of a yeah, snowstorm, did. you didn't make it or something? Uh, yes, exactly. We did attempt. Uh, <laughs> one attempt, it was... Uh, but I, uh, the thing is, in this movie, we, uh, they cut out a lot of... Of course. Uh, a lot of... Because they, had, yeah. uh, they have much, very time limit. It was like 45 minutes, episode exactly. one, for two weeks worth. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's insane. Because you're exactly. filming constantly in those situations. Yes. And I think they're, they're planning to make a, a longer, uh, longer versions. Yes, longer versions with a lot of... Uh, uh, oh wow! Cool parts, yes, and especially yeah. the part where we climbed the Elbrus, uh, and we climbed and we went until four thousand nine hundred meters. Okay, well, the sea level, and, and it's five thousand six forty-two. Yeah, yeah, five mm-hmm. six forty-two. The Elbrus, and but we couldn't make it because, well, actually, uh, it wasn't like you know, no matter what, we have to get to the Elbrus. Right. It was just a part, you know. If we get there, we'll get there yeah. to the top. And we'll summit it. So we went oh, f- until four thousand nine hundred. This was a climatization day. And uh, we came back uh, to our huts. Okay. And next morning we were supposed to leave. Okay. Next morning we get out and it's like fog, storm, uh, uh, snow. Yes, wow. the wind is like almost sixty kilometers per hour. It's really strong wind. Wow. Yeah, it's like blowing away everything. <laughs> so of course, you know, the plans were changed and uh, we had to go. We had to go down back. Huh. Had to go back down, and from then on we went on to warmer places. Yeah, yeah. Like Dagestan, <laughs> Chechnya. Wow. I mean yeah. it. From what I've heard, April is, that's like the very earliest you could attempt to summit Elbrus. Um, absolutely. And like usually people in July and August are summoning. So I'm sure even, even if you guys were experienced climbers, <laughs> it would have been really difficult to make None it. of us actually was. Right. But, yeah. And uh, of course, in April, the weather is so unpredictable. Yeah. It's even in July and August also unpredictable on this such height altitude. Sure. On such altitude. But in April it was so windy and uh, you know, really cold, like minus twenty five, minus thirty degrees Celsius. Mm. And of course it was very you know very hard for us. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's cool. To to summit it. Well, I really hope they release those I'd love the to unedited versions. You know, people don't appreciate point. how much we we actually do edit our own podcast. You know, <laughs> maybe there's someone out there hoping we'll release the really long version. version. I was going to say you think our episodes are long, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> but you don't know how much we actually edit out. <laughs> Editing room floor. 
So anyway, that's for another day. Rashid, I I would love to hear from your perspective. In a three-week span, so you started at the very west of the Caucasus, Adigea, and you went to the very east, Dagestan. Mm -hmm. And in that time, you guys, you crossed through probably 15 different nationalities, especially with the Dagestan Dagestani, Absolute, you know, yeah. Karachai, Balkar, Ingush, Chechen, and then up in the Dagestani mountains. Kazakhs, right, Andi, and the uh-huh. Rutul, and I'm sure many more. Yeah. So what would you say, what did you notice, and even maybe speak for Levison too and, and his crew, what were some of the things that you found were in common among all these Caucasus peoples? Such a small area of land, but mm-hmm. so many different nations and nationalities and cultures what did you see? Wow, everybody has this in common. Mm-hmm. But what also were things were that you saw? Wow, this is really different here from here. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear your perspective on that. You know, I would say that probably what what all the nationalities have in common is uh, that they that they all are influenced by the mountain. Okay. Wow. By the mountains, by the area, you know, by the 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 the, the, the atmosphere, the aura, huh. which is around. All people here, yeah, and you know, definitely mountains. They influence everything here, people and animals or whatever. And uh, sure. uh, that's what makes maybe you know, back in back in I know three hundred four years ago, uh, four hundred years ago, maybe it was you know hard, much harsher conditions to live in. Right. Sure. Now we have like uh, apartments, we have warm water, yeah, you know, electricity and stuff like this. But back in those days, you know, people were. Uh, not struggling, but you know, it sort of made you um, stronger. You, like you know, like if you, if there's a flower that is gro- which is growing in, inside of the house, inside mm. of the room, yeah, and the flower which is growing outside on the street, mm-hmm. of course, it's much stronger than the the, the one that mm. is which is growing in, in in the room, yeah. And of course, this sort of I could say uh, the same with people like uh, who live uh, the people more li- the higher. People living up in the mountains, the yeah. more altitude they live it, live at, uh, the more stronger they are, uh, mm. and at the same time, the more hospitable they are. They're more wow. open-hearted. Wow. Uh, yes, uh, very kind people, and they're like you know, like like children. Uh, I, I would say children, but what I mean is with their open heart. Right. Right. You know, like they don't have. Yeah. Maybe they appreciate the need for hospitality. In a harsher climate, in a sense. Exactly. Absolutely. I would say so, yes. Because, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's essential. That's really, yeah. I'm sure there's probably been research done, the effect of mountains on the people that live there, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. th- that's so interesting, that insight, how just living at a higher elevation, the conditions that it requires you live in, how it affects you. Not just, you're not just talking about physically strong. Yeah, mentally. Like emotionally, um, emotionally, mentally. mentally wow, absolutely. that's so interesting. And yeah. you know, I'm thinking just absolutely. in my mind, thinking of some of the places that I've heard of with famous hospitality. Of course, there's many, but I think about the Bedouin living in Af- deserts of North Africa and uh, Arabia. Yeah. Harsh, really mm-hmm. harsh conditions. Afghanistan has legendary hospitality. You wow. know, if, if a household yeah. opens their doors to you, they are obligated by their own code of honor to defend you, their guest, with their oh, lives yeah. from enemies if wow. they were to be attacked. Wow. Um, yeah. And I'm, you know, there's others, but that, that is a, a pretty fascinating yeah. mm-hmm. uh, train oh. of thought. That's Absolutely. cool. And the differences, you asked me yeah, yeah. also, Andrew. Hey, he keeps uh, track of our questions. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> and differences will probably, you know, it's um, 
every nation has its own like um, characters. Like for example, yeah. yeah. For example, I would say that Karachans, since all days, since a very long time, we've been like more um, like mountaineers, but mountain people who are um, who bringing up like horses and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. this, you know, um, with working with cows and sheep and Cattle, stuff like this. Yeah. Yes, exactly. We, I would say we, we are more, how do you say? You can do it in Russian. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So uh, have a like kinder <laughs> relationship to like farm animals, to yeah. cattle. Yeah, Anim- yeah exa- exactly. And yeah. Uh, for, and the, for example, more inclined t- to be kind towards animals and work with them. Yeah, exactly. If we talk about Chechens, uh, Chechenians, they were warriors since the very long time, uh-huh. since old days, they were warriors. And yeah. they have this, in their character also. Yeah. In Dagestan's Dagestani people, they're more like humorous guys. You know? ah, okay. yes, exactly. Yeah, they're very... It's interesting you say that. I, you know, one of the things, Dagestan is known for like tightrope walkers or even yeah. circus performers. Huh. I don't know yeah. how that happened or if that still <laughs> is a thing, but like yeah. to, I can immediately see that sort of the... The jesting or... Exactly. They're the more communica- communicative people yes. than we are. It just really is amazing listeners when you if you if you can just pull out a map and look at the caucasus it's such a small area of land and uh what does it have in common it's the mountains the caucasus mountains that's what the range is but in this small area of land there are around 50 different distinct peoples that they do have these unique characteristics that like you said three, 400 years ago. I mean, these things go way back in history that separate them, distinguish them, but they would all say we're from the Caucasus. So there's that common unity too. You know, it just really, you go from one Republic and even within the republics, especially in Dagestan, one Valley to another Mm -hmm. different nations, but there's so much in common too. You know, this is giving me also um, kind of material or fuel for a future episode. We're going to do on Lizginka. Oh, really? My son and I take Lesginka lessons. Oh, really? Here Great. in Pitygorsk, yeah. Don't ask for any <laughs> demonstrations. I would love to see that. Let's, oh, let's, yeah. Let's get that music Speaking going, of baby. physical humor. <laughs> um, but, um, and my teacher teaches us, you know, different styles. And we'll go through and she'll say, this is Adig, and this is Chechen, and this is Dagestani, and this is Avar. And the differences will be sometimes, well, a totally different kind of dance, but sometimes they're very slight. Very subtle, and I'm I'm an outsider looking in, and I'm I'm hoping I'm trying to learn and understand a little bit. What do these mean? You know, what do these mean to of our people or to Chechen people that it's you know the hands are out here, not down here. Exactly. And you're giving me you know sort of kind of giving me some more depth to to see where some of these might come from. You know, the whole character of a people. Exactly. Like Chechen dance, for example, dances of definitely is a language. Mm-hmm. Oh, one yeah. of the languages that we yeah. speak. And wow. the, the, uh, for example, the way Chechen dance, it's not the way uh, Karachai dance. Right. Like Karachai people, if um, they dance very how you say uh, skromna. Uh, modest, modest, yes, yeah, modest. Even men, men okay. and women, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chechen men, they are like more like like this, like yeah, you know, like flashy, throwing, yeah, flashy, yeah. Is throwing their hands out and stuff like this. Yeah, like it's all it's all comes from the culture. <laughs> Absolutely, that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. So you shared kind of a like funny kind of crazy story experience you had with mm-hmm. Levison. I'm sure you guys in the video shows. I'm sure you had lots of like great uh, experiences of Caucasus hospitality. 
Uh, one I really liked watching was you guys came, it was right when you came into Dagestan. I think it was at Andi village. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, listeners, you have to understand how strange it is that a foreigner <laughs> would be coming through a village like that with a group of camera people, cameramen, you know, like that really is rare. So like the chief of police met up with you guys, asked some questions, but then once he realized like, Oh, these guys are, they're really fine. There's no issues mm-hmm. here. He was about to let you go, but then he said, well, where are you staying the night? Uh-huh. And you said, oh, we're, we haven't we're found, just going to go to the next That's village. what the police always ask me. They want to make sure that, you know, <laughs> I, I've got a place to stay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you guys said, well, we were just going to go to the next village. And he said, oh, you won't make it. Just stay at my house. Yeah. And absolutely. like, I just watching that. And then they showed, they showed like you guys having dinner at his home, the rooms you were in. I felt like that's such a picture of the Caucasus. Like, they just met you, but of course they were going to invite you in to spend the night. Exactly. You know? Even if, for example, if it, was, if, if it wasn't, if there were no cameraman, no Englishman, if right. I was alone, for example, yeah. he would have invited me definitely for sure also if I was alone. Hmm. Because, you know, <clears throat> it's the, he invited us, of course, uh, because uh, he, he, knew, he saw that we needed a place to stay. Yeah. It wasn't any other matter. Right, right. He invited us. Mm-hmm. No agenda or anything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. So I have a question. From your three-week journey, did you learn anything about yourself or your culture? I mean, you as a Caucasus person that you hadn't appreciated before that, that uh-huh. journey. Well, the thing is like, uh, you know... Before that, before the journey, we made this journey. I've been, you know, I've been through this uh, route, through this route a lot of times. Okay. And, and of course, uh, uh, I, you know, I knew a lot of stuff. Okay. Was going on. But, right. but what, I, what I learned a lot about Chechen, Chechens, I learned more about Chechens. So we went to their wedding. Yeah. It was oh, the wow. first time I was a Chechen wedding. Ah, okay. And Chechen wedding, yes, it was just very crazy. <laughs> uh, people, you know, guys are shooting rifles, shooting guns into the air, of course, and, you know, they're yeah. cele- celebrating like this. And Levison was also very surprised by that, you know, by how the wedding is, go- is going on. Huh. But, you know, I think, I think uh, I saw, I saw most, of, most of what I saw on the, during this trip I saw before in my life. Okay. <laughs> Man. Wow. So, uh, speak to our listeners right now. Uh, we're hoping to convince all of them to visit the Caucasus one day, mm-hmm. the North Caucasus. What are some of your favorite places in the North Caucasus? And it doesn't have to be like the touristy spots. Like what are some of the coolest, most beautiful places you would recommend people to mm-hmm. try to see? Well, um, probably if we take a top five. Yeah. Oh, uh, five yeah. would be great. <laughs> yes, top five would be yeah, definitely. I mean, we have so many much so many places, you know, right. life is not enough. Lifetime will be enough yeah. to visit all of them. But um, uh, definitely, I should say that if we take Western Caucasus, Western part of the North Caucasus, mm-hmm. it's um, Arhiz. Arhiz, okay. Arhiz is, has very beautiful. It's, so this uh, is in the summertime? This is a... In the summertime. Most of the places that I, I will tell right now, mm-hmm. most of them, of course, it's not most of them, but all of them are summertime. Yeah. So <laughs> listeners, Arhiz is in... Karachay Cherkessia, it's kind of the southwest portion of the North Caucasus. And it's one of it's one of where one of the many one of the best ski resorts is in the North Caucasus. Exactly. Yeah. Ski resorts for for the wintertime. Yep. And in the summertime, it has more than uh, uh, I think fifty lakes, mountain lakes. Wow. 
beautiful lakes. I mean, it's for hiking is also very good. And also yeah. uh, there are a lot of uh, these beautiful pine pine forests that are thousands of years wow. old. Wow. Thousands, thousands, more than so, a thousand years old. I have a question about this. In the U.S., like I lived in the Northwest, a lot of hiking. If I go out in the wilderness, you know, we get a map. We have a topographical map, and it's got all the coordinates. And we, we're like hyper planners, you know. In the, and there's and there's trails pre-marked, and they've got blazes on the trees, you know, a little uh. slash of paint or whatever. And so, and, you know, and I write down to my wife like we're leaving from this place. We we'll come back to this place this day, we, you know, and it's all really planned. So we know where we're going. I hear things like this, like, oh, in Arhiz, there's great hiking, there's 50 lakes. <laughs> Do you have a similar system? Are there marked trails? Are there maps? Yeah, or how, how does it work? The, there are maps. Uh, there are maps. But, you know, unfortunately, this infrastructure is not very well huh. um, right at this moment. I don't oh, know why. It's an but opportunity. It's, it's nice not to. Uh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. For example, the routes I know, you, you, you cannot go like in, the, you don't see any signs. For example, uh -huh. you go to this uh, lake of love we have, like, because it's, uh, it's in the shape of the heart. Oh, uh, nice. Uh, yes. And you, oh, the, only, the only way you can find it is like, uh, asking people how to get there, locals. <laughs> uh, can you tell me how to get, how do I get there? Wow. Or, you know, just, uh, you know, getting with some group of tourists and walking there or hi uh, hiring a guide, uh -huh. local guide. Sure. Um, okay. There's no uh, no like signs or marks right. to to visit it to see it, and uh, another place which I would recommend to visit is uh, definitely uh, Hurla Köl, and the river, um, uh, the lake. It's called Hurla. Köl is a uh, in Karachayan language. Yeah. Okay. Is Hurla a lake. Hurla is uh, we can uh, you can call it a snor snoring lake. Okay. Snoring. Snor snorting. Snorting. Like. Yeah. Exactly. Ah. Yeah. You know. You know why. Because it it comes. This is the name is which is which comes a very like ancient name for this lake. Because um, in, in during springtime, when uh, during winter time, it has um, ice. It, yeah. It's covered by ice. Right. And in the springtime, when um, when it starts melting, uh, there you know between the water and the ice uh, layer, yeah. there's always a, a vacuum, uh, huh. like vacuum part. And when the ice breaks down and Sort of like oh wow, it, breaks down it makes those noises, it makes this like noises, snorting like, noises, yeah, snorting noises during for maybe for about two or three weeks. I thought time. it had to do with like wild boars or something <laughs> around the lake. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. that's in Karachay Cherkessia. In Karachay Cherkessia, it's uh, fifteen thousand years old. It's like it's, Whoa. Yeah, it's been um, proved by scientists, by archaeologists, that it's more than fifteen thousand years old. It's ancient lake. It's really beautiful. It's uh, and it's in a very hidden place. I would wow. say like. Yeah, you cannot. You, you can go. You can get there by, by for by by really good strong uh, uh, SUV. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, awesome. Really All right, so that's number two, yeah. Arhis and that lake. Uh, uh, the third lake, uh, the, the third uh, nice. place that you should definitely visit is Julusu. Uh, Aha, uh -huh. that's on my list. I haven't made it there yet. Right. It's on my list. Yeah, it's right underneath uh, the Elbrus Mountain. It's mm -hmm. on okay. the north northern side of the Elbrus. Okay, and it's just uh, probably I would say that this is it's the strongest uh, uh, strongest place. I mean, um, how do you say energy wise? Okay, energetical wise. You know, it comes from the earth. Ah, from okay. the earth that we we get this energy from earth, and it's and it's standing. This place is uh, right on the crack, sort of standing on, on the crack. Bit on the crack, but um, say tectonical, tectonic ah. plates, tectonic, tectonic crack, yeah, you know, sure, yes, and the energy just fl 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 
flourishing, mm. it's coming from the huh. ground. You can feel it, you know, really. It's like yeah. so tense in the air, but it's a good energy. And uh, you get so, if you spend two or three days in this place, in Julius <laughs> exactly, you, you, yeah, you become really like, you know, hyperactive. Uh, yeah, exactly. You become, we like, should do an episode from Julius and see how it sounds. We're like, yeah. why is this voice so Even high. faster than normal. Uh-huh. There's um, uh, in Julisu, uh, this in this area, there's a beautiful, uh, not, not beautiful, but there, there's mineral waters okay. coming from the out of the ground. Yeah, you can swim in these uh, little uh, bathtubs. Yeah, and it's ancient also bathtubs, and uh, you know just pure, pure energy. That's awesome. Okay, so that's number three. I yeah. love it. These are great. These are kind of these aren't just the big, you know. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Number four is definitely, I should say, it's in Gushetian Towers. Yes. Towers we love the Towers Gushetia. here. Yes. And, uh, uh, you know, Levison really, he mentioned that yeah. in the show. Just It's like you're going back in time to this mystical land. Absolutely. You know, yeah. this, this is the, the valley, Jairach Valley. It's called Jairach. And this little valley, it's like, you know, it, it's like conserved. Uh-huh. It, it's been conserved and forgotten by people. Wow. And you drive into it and you... You come into a totally different world. Yeah. And it's all oh, this ancientness. You can feel it in the air. So we're moving yeah. west to east, Karachacherkesia to Kabardino Bokhari. What yeah. is your number five? And top, top five? five definitely is the city of Derbent. Oh, I would say cool. Derbent is the one of the most ancient cities in the world. In yeah. the world. Yes. It's five, more than 5,000 years old. Right. UNESCO heritage site. Exactly. Yeah. UNESCO heritage, heritage and, uh, in, and the, the Narinkala. Mm. Fortress, yes, it's amazing. Yeah, which is standing. It's like uh, it's been. It was built in fifth century by Persians. Yeah, and I mean, you you just go into the city, go into the city, and you again you fall back into this ancient. Yeah, that's right. uh, Back in time, so much history. Wow, and that's we've talked about Derbent listeners. That's uh, the far east of the Caucasus, southeast, all the the very basically south of Dagestan. It's yeah, far right southeast the of the Caucasus. Yeah, and also part of the Silkway, Great Silkway. That right. Silk Road, yeah. yeah. That's right. Silk Road. Man, that was thanks for your top five. That was yeah. that was really cool. <laughs> and sure. I, listeners, I hope you like see that you know, Eli and I talk a lot about how beautiful it is here and we've blah, talked blah, about blah. some of these places. We're not just blowing smoke. Like this is a, a local guy who's been traveling the Caucasus for twenty years. And he mentioned a couple of places we've mentioned. We've talked about the towers and we've talked about Arhis a little, but uh, especially that lake. I've never even heard of that one. Like you, like a, you mentioned yeah. some places too that like very few people have been to. I have know? some pictures on my final show too. I think yeah. I yeah. yeah. We're going to make sure we have some good links for our listeners. Definitely. To, to look or at that too. we could at least record us looking at the pictures. Oh. <laughs> oh. Snorting, <laughs> snorting lake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Rishi, this was so great. Uh, we always finish our interviews with one question. And so we'd like you to answer this question for our listeners. If there's one thing you could tell the world about the North Caucasus, what would it be? Well, I would say, unfortunately, we have this stereotype that's been uh, floating around North Caucasus for the last 20, past 20 years. Mm. Definitely, there is this, you know, this stereotype should be, should be gone. You know, should be out. Uh, because uh, anyone who comes here, anyone who comes here, these ones, their life, they fall in love mm. with this land, uh, with this uh, sky, with everything that you see here around. Yeah, the people. Yes, with people, yes. Yeah. Don't, like, 
you either fall in love with it or you don't. <laughs> you know, like it's, there's nothing in the middle, in between. Yeah, love yes. or hate. And if, yeah, and if you fall in love with this, it, you will be coming here every year. And That's awesome. Come, yes. North Caucasus is definitely a place, uh, you know, one of, the, you can say it's one of the uh, paradises on earth. <laughs> Very here. cool. You know, I don't think we've had that expressed from such an authoritative source yeah. yet on our podcast. <laughs> Thanks really, for thank for reiterating that. Yeah. And for being here, Rashid. Yeah. Well, Rashid, we wish you the best and uh, we look forward to having you on the show in the near future. Thank you too, guys, very much. And I uh, wish all the listeners, uh, to your American listeners and, uh, all over the world. Worldwide, uh, all, yeah. All the best and uh, stay healthy. And uh, uh, you're all very welcome to our land, beautiful land. Please come. Come and see us. <laughs> come and see us, yes. <laughs>